to another episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Millen McFadden. I've got my usual two idiots here. How are you going there, Mike? Uh, really, really well, man. It's Halloween weekend and lots of festivities and, and getting out and seeing all the kids and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty fun and uh, it, it feels good not, not, not to be, uh, you know, carrying the weight as uh, our welcome back host uh, likes to say. Welcome back, Raph. Nice of you. Oh, welcome to back. Us. Fucking T.O.'s here. Look at that. Hey, first of all, I, I don't have to explain myself, so I won't. But I will say this. I think everyone that listens knows that I've been carrying this goddamn show for the last year and change. <laughs> so they know that I needed to take a knee. They just, they know that I talked. I'll leave it at that. I had to take a knee because I was exhausted from carrying Mike were and, hungover. and Melon. You yeah, were he was dusty. He was dusty as fuck. He was looking at the inside of his eyeballs and there was bits of carrot on the floor a bit when he woke up. Actually, do you want to hear something funny? Um, hi, Aubrey. So she starts, <laughs> she starts give, listen, she starts giving me jazz because I because she's like, oh, how was the weekend? You know, I was down at that convention in San Diego and I was like, oh, you know, it was mostly business. And she's like, I listened to the episode. I know you were partying. I literally screamed Judas into the air. I was like, those sons of bitches. She's like, I because she's like, you know, the episode um, on her uh Spotify, like you know, just cues every 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 Thursday or whatever. She's like, no, she's like, it just came on, and I, they were talking about you just getting wasted, not being able to make the show, and I was like, <laughs> you traitorous sons of bitches. Hey, that's what you get when 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 it's showtime and you're nowhere to be found. You're not even checking your little messages with your little signal in the corner, so we know that you're you're off fucking it away. Well, we weren't planning it, man. It was a, a pretty legit reunion. There must have been like 10 or 12 of us from the, you know, the previous life. Um, and it was just like everybody was there. So it just turned into, you know, just catching up, a bunch of frothies and just it got out of hand real quick. It was it was a good time. But we still made it the next day to the convention. Suit, tie, everything. I mean, we looked apart. <laughs> well, that's solid. That's all. I mean, you are pursuing, you know, your family's future. You got to bloody pony up, get the tie on. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and- yeah. And uh, while we're reminiscing, we're also joined by an old mate of mine, Simon. How are you, mate? I'm well, thank you, Melon. Been a long time. Been a bloody long time. We've uh, shared frothies in different continents and uh, sporting pitches and uh, done a few things. And Simon's a long-time listener. And uh, I just wanted to get him on. He's got a certain insight. And, uh, you know, I need to balance the team here with another Aussie mate against these two idiots. <laughs> I'll try my best. Yeah, we'll try your we'll try our best to understand. Yeah. I need subtitles. <laughs> I will say at least Simon is representing your your, your countrymen a lot better cuz he didn't come in like a uh, I almost said the word. Anyways, he's wearing like he's wearing clothing. He's not sitting there in a wife beater. That's true. I'm sure he's got plenty of wife beaters in the cupboard. Yeah. yeah. Well, he might he- as well be he might as well be wearing a tie right now. <laughs> in australia we don't call these white bears we call them trucky singlets but they've got to be blue with a bit of meat sauce and yeah. trucky singlets name. yeah yeah it's the only thing guys drive it's, it's the only thing that guys driving trucks wear i'd take that it's a fun. totally different way if somebody came up to me and was like hey hey buddy you got a trucky singlet i'd be like what the hell 
It's it, it, it sounds more <laughs> like a lot a lot lizard, you know. You, you, you ever heard of a, yeah lot lizard? Yeah, that's yeah. A term. yeah. Well, that's what they are here. Demographics. <laughs> yeah, a big a big fat old dude who's had way too many beers and doesn't do any exercise drives a truck long distance, and it's hot, so he's wearing a singlet. <laughs> Makes sense. For some reason they're blue. So anyway, we were uh, just talking before we kicked off, and. Simon was really interested. He's, he's had some feedback for us that we've been listening to around some of the conversations we've had about identity and people when they're in some of these um, elite units, perhaps, or where they've had jobs that are quite difficult to get into, can have those jobs really become a much larger part of their identity than perhaps the average person with the average career does. And we know people who've all had difficulty either looking forward to a transition or transitioning from doing a role where they maybe identify with that role, like their first sense of identifying themselves. Like lots of my mates will include pilot in their first sentence if they were to describe themselves. And it can be a difficult thing to leave behind and facing, you know, just life in the future when you're not that, can be really difficult for people and a lot of people can lose their way especially with people with ptsd issues and other life challenges and so that's the conversation we wanted to bring to you guys tonight was a conversation on identity your uh your role versus you values and uh chapter in in, in life so how about you kick us off there mike about some of the sort of insights we've, we've been talking about here yeah. So before the conversation or before we hit record, I mean, you know, we were just kind of talking, just, just catching up and, you know, got to meet Simon and everything for the first time and put it, put a face to the, to the voice he said, and I apologize for my appearance, but uh, yeah, we were, we were just kind of shooting the shit and talking about, uh, you know, listening to the podcast and um, so, some of the feedback that we get from it um, from different communities and, and different, you know, people, you know, military first responders, regular people. I, I, we talked about that in last week's episode when we read some reviews, but uh, it's always really great to hear feedback from people who have been in those positions and have lived it. And to hear that these things are resonating with, with them, you know, and, and uh, I mean, these are some of the people that were the metal, metal meets the meat you know, and, and some the worst com- you know, situations that you could ever be in. And they're sitting back listening to us going, yeah, hey, I can kind of relate to this, you know, and, and it's causing some introspection and some deep thought and some review of what's going on in their life, where they're at, um, different ways to think about things, you know, in that framework that we talk about. So um, Simon was just kind of sharing some some pers- of his own perspective. And I was like, man, that's, that's really awesome to hear. So um simon if you want to jump in and just kind of you know like how long you've been listening to the podcast and some of the effects that it's had on you sure uh well thanks melon and raf i really appreciate the uh, invitation tonight um i've been listening to you guys from uh, from the outset um and just been thoroughly impressed with the, uh, the subject matter and just yourselves the way you guys interact the banter but it really sound really relevant and uh, messaging and kind of just 
giving impetus and an opportunity for people out in the field of similar backgrounds across all, you know, ADF, military, first responders, and even just, uh, you know, I, I've discussed your podcast with mates who are now retired elite athletes, professional sportsmen in Australia. And when I reached out to Melon a few weeks back about uh, identity, one of the key things that got me going on this was uh, coming from a soft community, um, noting similarities of changes and uh, insecurities. And not just from that background, but from mates who would come from out of uh, being professional sportsmen in Australia. And again, at least as uh, Raph, we were discussing offline beforehand about just that validation, where you got your validation from, you know, within your, uh, your team, your community, your, your immediate environment, and that sense of kind of lack of purpose. Um, and people often jump for financial, health, personal, PTSD, all those kind of reasons, or move on from their industry or activity. Um, yeah, I think that just uh, what I've found from chat listening to you guys has been to be able to calibrate, kind of just realign myself and my values and, uh, yeah, just uh, kind of bring my validation where I derive that from back to, yeah, what's most important in my life, my wife, my family, my, my children. So, yeah. Such a massive thing to hear, uh, you know, to get some direct feedback from listeners to hear that there's been some positive impact because the three of us really get a lot out of this. Like I, I get my weekly sanity pill when I get together with these two guys and we just chew the fat and talk about stuff that's, that's happening to us. Certainly these, these people that I know, like my mates who are pilots and my previous mates are in the army at the time, it's a, such a competitive environment and it's something very difficult to get into. And I think, including elite sport, that, that really analogy, I can, I can see how that would be the same as well. You fought and fought and fought and sacrificed and uh, had to go the extra yard to get in. And then when you're in, it's such a big um, sense of validation, such a big sense of uh, recognition, people giving respect in that community for having achieved a certain standard. And we were just talking about how inside the military you have all the values and the esprit de corps and the history of the unit and the history of the military forces you're in to draw on. And in the absence of all of those things coming from the organization, you have to have them in yourself. And it can be a very hard thing to reseat or generate on your own in the absence of an environment that's automatically going to generate it for you. And there can be huge challenge for people when they transition out and a sense of self-worth or you know, compounding all of those other things, feeling like they don't, they had a mission that they believed in, they don't have that anymore, as well as a, an identity of, oh, was this thing before? Well, if I could just add to something, because I just thought of a, a good mate of mine, I, I could probably give him a call, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but um, let, let's also be honest, you know, especially for guys like Mike, Simon, and I guess you, Melon, um, I'm throwing in that begrudgingly, uh, you know, the, I don't want to, the word addiction is such a terrible word, but I can't think of another word, right? So I think that addiction to that type of lifestyle, the, the, the excitement that, you know, is around the corner, that unexpected, like, you don't know where you're going to be, like, you know, two months from now, you could be doing some crazy ass assignment. And then, you know, a month later doing something else, the addiction to that sort of lifestyle is real. 
I actually had a really good mate, um, and I talked about this. Uh, I think one of the first episodes was my biggest setback was, you know, uh, trying to get into a special missions unit and failing. And I had a really good mate. You know, he, he was at that point where he's like, I don't know if the normal wife child is what I want. Cause it, but he was being honest, right? He's like, look, it's an exciting life that I live. Like, you can't dismiss that. Like, you, you can't dismiss that you're, you know, fucking sitting on skids of a black or black hawk does not skids, but you're sitting on the skids of an MH6, um, go going to hit the target. I don't care who you are, man. I mean, there, there's movies made of that. So I think that if you're in that life or if you're close to that, I call it the fire, man, it's hard to walk away. But that still sticks with me because, you know, that's also an honest opinion. Like he was being completely honest with that conversation. Like he wasn't hiding anything. He's like, look, man, I like the lifestyle. And he was willing to give up a potential beautiful future for, you know, the excitement of right now, right now, right now. And that's a real thing. Simon, I feel like you, you were going to say something on that. And I think, I think you're spot on. Yeah. You know, when you, you get to operate at that high speed, that you know, high performing kind of level, that becomes your new normal. That's your new tempo. Yeah. And then it just, it's self-perpetuating. You just, you, you're going and you may, you normalize it in other ways maybe positive or negative uh, destructive patterns, but you normally, that's your tempo. Um, and then that, yeah, I, I think that will then you know, lead to your yeah, issues with ego, narcissism, yeah. et cetera. But, uh, <laughs> but I think also what, what feeds to that is that, you, I think we touched on it before, uh, before the show was, you, you, you live a life of being supported and you're told that you're high value, you know, you're, you're high speed, you can run with scissors. You can shoot straighter than the average uh, soldier, sailor, etc. And you see that in. I, I've got a lot of mates who are, you know, um, international you know, sportsmen, and now retired, you know, in the rugby rugby sphere. And you know, from the age of fifteen, they're told, and it's probably the same in the US with college uh, football, etc. They're just told you're going to be, you know, you're number one. You're going to be the, you know, the next draft pick. You're going to be the, yeah, you know, and. They don't know, they don't know, they lose all sense of reality in some regards. They just lose, they get detached. And, and yeah, yeah they, they lose, yeah, they're grounded, which I'll circle around. I'll draw this back as a long bow, but, you know, you guys, I, for, for me, in, in, you know, listening to your show, it's helped me kind of look for that ground and feel, you know, reaffirm that, you know, these are my uh, datum points, my, you know, for nav, et cetera, you know, just, yeah, get that. Keep you grounded. It's very, you know, you brought up is just, uh, you know, you're being told these things all the time, you know. So for, for, for my community the last 20 years, we've constantly been the tip of the spear against the war on terrorism. So, hey, there's a problem, throw special operations forces at the problem. And everybody, you know, was behind guys like me to, to support us. Hey, what do you guys need? You're the best. Uh, you know, Hey, they, they do this, they do that, everything. Right. So just looking at it from that perspective for me, now it's reversed. And the current fight that we're in is just like, now we are supporting the joint force, which is the big military. So now we're, we have to go, what do you guys need? Now we're supporting you. I'll be honest, that's a blow to the ego of the community because for 20 years, you were getting patted on the ass, told that you were the best there is. You guys did this mission. You're kicking indoors, doing all the, you know, the sexy shit. And now we're going like, okay, what's her identity? 
like, who are we as a force now? We're not kicking in doors in Afghanistan and Iraq anymore or doing the stuff that we've been doing. Now we're going back to, you know, pre 9-11 stuff, which is all super secret quiet and there's no recognition all the time and, you know, whatever. And you see guys just struggling and it's just like, well, I'm not getting my fill like I wanted to. I wanted to come in and be this badass soldier or, you know, if you're going to professional sports and it's like not what you're getting, what you expected on the return and you see guys just crumble. And it's just like, number one, what are you doing this for? You know, I know we've talked about that. Who are you doing it for? And what are you doing it for? Um, but also too, is just a couple of questions, you know, that come to my head. I wrote down is, you know, when you walk into a room, how do you present yourself? Every, everybody listening should, should do that. How do you present yourself when you walk in a room? Are you walking in with the, with the, with the notion that, you know, for me, it's just like, well, I walk in and I'm in special operations. Is everybody going to see me and be like, oh, that's, that's the operator right there. And, and that's how you're going to perceive me. Or um, are you going to be like, oh yeah, that's Mike. Yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. We were talking about football the other day or, you know, whatever, totally different, right? Uh, how you dress, how you speak, what you start talking about immediately, you know, like uh, Mellon said, you know, in the first sentence, usually you hear pilot, you know, which I can tell for you, you're all a bunch of turds, but, um, you know, and, and then ask yourself, like, what, what is your identity? Are you, you, or are you your job? And I think, I think most of us can really answer that question internally. You don't have to say it. Like you, I think we all know inside that to that answer. And then also one of the other things too is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of it is, uh, do you ask yourself on a daily basis, uh, can I accept today if it was my last time doing, doing this job? So for, you know, I have, I've always said, you know, you take it away from me today and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm a hundred percent confident. I'm still going to be myself and nothing changes. I just don't wear cloth anymore, but my person, my identity, I'm comfortable I feel confident. I know my capabilities, like nothing changes. And I think that transition to getting to that point, um, as we were talking about, Simon, that's, that can be the real grinder, right? Uh, I agree. If I, if I could just add something, I, cause I've talked about the Harbor business review. Um, and I talked about how one of my favorite books from the HBR is actually what they talked about emotional IQ and like upping your emotional IQ. And then that specifically, they talk about the skill sets that, you know, cause they've looked at like 10,000 leaders, CEOs, of, you know, different variety of businesses and, and practices and organizations. And they, they pretty much narrowed it down to five uh, skill sets that predominantly some of the greatest leaders acquire all five of these. And they're really, really good at all of them. And it's funny cause I listened to, to Mike and Simon talk and especially from your guys' community, I feel like most of the people that come from your cloth, so to speak, kind of have 90% of the skill sets. I think the biggest struggle, it sounds like, for that community and uh, you know, everyone else is the fifth one, which is self-awareness. So the five skills are social skills, which we know we're absolute social uh, creatures. Empathy, it's easy to empathize because you can, you know, very highly intelligent people in that community. Motivation, there's no lack of that. You wouldn't be in those shoes if you didn't have mo motivation. Self-regulation, right? comes with discipline. And the last one is self-awareness. And I think that's the, that's the crux, that self-awareness where like you're transitioning from your previous life to the new life and understanding like, 
it, it, I talked about this earlier offline with, uh, we were talking about this and I said, you know, for me, at least for Blackhawks, like, do I enjoy flying fixed wing like Mellon? Absolutely not. It's boring. I don't want to be Mellon. I, I miss flying the Blackhawk. But what I, but what has always helped me is having gratitude, like literally just being grateful that I had the opportunity to fly Blackhawks, right? Like just, I think about them like, man, you know, when I start to get down, cause I'm, I'm flying these boring ass airplanes now, these boring jets, I think, you know what though? But at least I flew a Blackhawk. At least I had the opportunity, which it's something Mellon will never have. And that makes me really, really happy inside. Like it warms my heart. <laughs> I know that deep down inside, he's jealous. And, he, and I see it in his face. Hi, Cheza. Anyways, just, I just think it's, but I just think that it's, it's really important. You know, literally people in your community are like 90% there. It's that self-awareness, like understanding, like how do I transition and just being grateful and just move. I mean, cause you could be a, an extremely effective tool in the outside. I mean, we, let's be honest, man. Our politics are a dumpster fire right now. We need guys from these communities to kind of be leaders in the outside because I feel like our leaders have no moral compass. They're just, they're out in it for themselves. They're in politics for 40 plus years. Show me a, a leader who's been in, or a leader, a politician who's been in politics for 40 years who isn't corrupt. Uh, this is me waiting. <laughs> Mic drop, Mellon. I'm gonna, there, there's a really, that's such a potent uh, solution for the self-awareness one is the gratitude of looking at what you've, the gifts you've had and the, the lucky runs that you've, you, that you've experienced, you know, like you've been blessed. We've all been blessed, the four of us and many of our friends and colleagues. And having that self, that gratitude feeds self-awareness, right? Like it, it is definitely an antidote for low self-awareness if you can't find the thing to be grateful for. And I'll, I'll just say, there's a saying in the Australian Air Force, which is that fucking the pilots get, <laughs> get upset about shitting diamonds because the edges cut. As they, as they come out and the, the pilots would complain about that. That's how ungrateful they are as a group. And there's in the Australian air force is about 600 and there's 17,000 odd people in the air force. And the pilots are like, they're all here for me. You know, there's one here to fan me with a fan one here to feed me a grape and some bloke puts fuel in the aircraft and you can get immensely, uh, like low self-awareness and low gratitude in that, in an environment like that, where you've been told that you're the best or you've, you know, you've decided you are the best. You've got into the hardest part of the business and you've done well. And I'll never forget one of my instructors uh, on my short lived flying of the Hornet, uh, like by the name of Hosco told me there's plenty of uh, squadron leaders and wing commanders who after their, time flying a hornet has ended go home to an empty house with a divorced wife and children who live on the other side of the planet and it's super common in that environment like i think it is in these other ones where there's the adrenaline there's the rush because to succeed in these ones like in professional sport you have to have massive drive and you have to actually have quite a lot of like it's all about me in your 20s and that sort of lack of security perhaps causes you to excel and drive in the, in that space and you have to be willing to sacrifice everything to get in there and do that but then sort of in your 30s and you know like if you're still like that in your 40s you're a pretty horrendous and shallow person like you can still be operating in that space 
but it shouldn't be out of a lack. It should be from a position of gratitude and abundance and that you can share what you have with other people and you're no longer doing it for yourself. You're doing it for either the community or your family or whatever, the big why that you found. Anyway, long rant. Uh, that, jump that's, that's spot on. That's spot on. Uh, it's the 20s, 30s, 40s uh, paradigm of you know, operating at a you know, high speed. Um, I lost a marriage to it and I'm, I'm lucky. I, I found my best mate in my second with my second marriage and uh, she's resilient, supportive, but yeah, enabled me to turn that around and get that awareness and re, you know, you know, realign where I find my valuation, my values. But uh, yeah, and it's those who don't change. And I think, I think it's the change aspect. Those who don't change, <clears throat> operate, perform, or continue for the wrong reasons and probably of a detriment to themselves, those around them, the loved ones, their, their teammates, their cohort. Um, but, you know, I think what, what resonates is if you don't change, you don't grow, and you've got to grow. Um, you know, we've got to grow for ourselves, you know, just for ourselves, but to, you know, to nourish our family. We've got to grow, you know, teach them. Yeah. Growing is never, it's always painful. Like change is always painful and we fear it and we want to put it off as long as we can. And the static thing is the thing that dies, right? When the environment shifts. <clears throat> Go ahead there, Mike. No, um, you know, no matter what your field is for your profession, but let's just look at, you know, let, let's just take a look at a man. You know, uh, we've had Tony Sr. talk about leadership and, and what that means just in everyday life. Uh, as men, as, as leaders, and what you do for your for your job to provide for your family, right? So whether you're military or you know you you, you work at a you know you build cars or you're a mechanic, whatever it doesn't matter. Uh, you're you're demonstrating leadership and and balance. And when you're able to do that, you're able to show a healthy identity and and, and be there because your 20s and early 30s are usually about you figuring out all of that stuff that you guys mentioned. And then once you have kids, especially like, I don't have any kids, but I see it from you guys. Uh, you, it shifts from about you to your children or to other ones that are younger that are coming up maybe in, in, in your line of work or whatever. And then you switch to that mentor. Like you can always be a mentor, but that role gets heavily taxed at that point. And now it's like, Hey, now I really need to focus. Like, my glory days are kind of behind me. I'm okay with that. I lived for the day. I milked everything I could out of every single day that I was in that, that role. And I can walk away with my head up, my back straight and a smile. And just like Raph said, you know, he's proud to be part of that, but it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a young man's game or some other attribute that's important. And Hey, I can walk away and be okay. And I can share everything that I learned to help make the next generation better. Like that is a gift. And if you're able to communicate that to the next generation, which is very, very hard for a lot of people, very hard. Uh, that's purpose. That's, that's a gift to be able to do that. Go ahead, Mel. Such good points. Such good points, Mark. There's, there's all that stuff in there around, you know, becoming really, to become really good at what you are choosing to do it takes everything you've got and you have to throw yourself in you've got to train you've got to study um and that that wouldn't leave a lot of time for 
and space for a relationship perhaps in your early 20s and so on. But as you sort of move up through the ranks, you don't have to be the one carrying the ball anymore, you know, like you can be in that position of influence from mentor to in that full leadership role where your effectiveness is amplified greatly. And I think some of the people that some of my mates I know have had difficulty transitioning are the ones who haven't necessarily done a lot of professional development. And they've, they've been in the doing part of the job for such a long time and they haven't had that opportunity to grow. I'm just, there's just an observation. I was just thinking while you were both talking about how all four of us have done uh, study later in life. Um, Mike's underway now. I know you've done Simon and so, so same with you there, um, Tio. And the people can get stuck when they're trying to solve the bigger problems in life is you sort of work your way up any sort of tree and you're trying to use the same old hammer that you had when you were 22, 24. And I think you don't necessarily need professional, it doesn't need to be like formal education, but there's a lot of stuff out there. There's courses, there's books, the greatest minds in history we have access to. Um, getting involved with a conversation like this with your mates where it's, it's challenging, you know, where you're fessing up about real stuff in life and you're trying to build a better toolkit than the one you had when you're in your early 20s. Because it's not, it's not going to be any good for the next challenge that's coming down the line. That's for sure. The stuff that got you here won't get you through the next one, right, Mike? That's right. I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, from your uh, instructor. I mean, there's such gold in that. And being able to recognize that sometimes these hard decisions are not like answered by, well, I'll go down to the gym again. What's, oh, I'm going to have to sit down in front of a computer here and log on and start reading some stuff or engage, pick up a phone and call a mate and go through some of that shit to resolve it so that you can be a better person tomorrow than you are now. Because the next challenge is only going to be worse than the one you've already dealt with. It's going to take different skills to get through it. Long rant. You're full of them today. Mate, I'd know. I'd, I feel like I should be bloody blowing the froth off a cold one right now. <laughs> well, you're going to rugby practice after. I know, I know. I'm going, oh, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, shit, I could just sit here for ages. <laughs> no that's um those are all great points melon um you know it, it's 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 just don't don't put that shit off that that's ultimately what it is stop being stubborn stop putting it off it's it's going to happen the transition is going to happen what you love the most like here's one fact that i, that I learned what you love the most is going to be taken away from you at some point it really is. And how do I know that? Because we're all human beings and we're all going to die one day. And I don't mean to be morbid, but it's the truth. So uh, to quote one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Jedi, Master Yoda, you know, he says, what does he say? Learn to let go in which you, uh... oh, I fucked it away. What is it? I'm not doing it in his voice, you know? learn to let go you know uh of which you're most most afraid of you know so you know in star wars he's like hey you need to learn to let go of of padme right because it's gonna make you cr crazy and it's gonna build anger and resentment and and make you turn evil which ultimately it did it turned him into freaking darth vader right but there's so much behind that because like if you're so put in on your job or something that is not a main pillar in your life like your family or anything else and somebody rips that away from you, you're going to be 
you're going to be angry. You're going to be, you're going to have resentment. You're going to be, you know, you, you probably be vengeful or want revenge. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to be healthy. So learning to accept that everything will be gone at one point and just being like, yeah, I understand that's coming. You know, like I'm not going to be an operator the rest of my life. You know, I'm guessing, hopefully I got about five years left before I retire and move on with my life. Uh, but I'm damn well aware that it could be a lot shorter than that. And as Mellon said before, I will be lucky to know if it is my last time going out. And I've already made peace with that because I, I visited that hard conversation and I understand it now and I'm so much better off. Go ahead, Mellon. Uh, you know, you just, you just recapped exactly the point I was, I was thinking about strapping into the aircraft the last time and the blessed ones are the ones who know it's the last time when they're mm -hmm. strapping in. Yeah. And, and go, going into a new job too, right? So let's say the transition, you walk in with your resume and you're trying to do something that's totally outside of what you're doing previously, right? Or even maybe in the same line. Okay. So a lot, a lot of guys in my line of work, they get out and do like contract work or whatever. So it's like, you show up with your, your, your fancy resume and you're like, Hey, what's up? I'm Mike. I'm, you know, this guy, here's my awesome resume. And people might look at it and go, yeah, that's cool. But who are you? What do you have to offer me? Like, this is the job. This is not what you used to do. You know, can you bring leadership to this, to this company? Can you bring communication skills? Can you bring a balance that I don't have? You know, it, it's like, uh, I always say Al Bundy, right? Nobody cares that you scored four touchdowns in the 19... 69, you know, all state city championship, you know what I mean? Like in your shoe salesman, like it doesn't carry over. If you have such a great reputation and, and former accomplishments, that's great. Be proud of what you've been a part of and what you've done. But now it carries more weight that you have to back that up. You have to back up your reputation as a solid dude, or, you know, it's just like, I don't want to meet somebody that's so accomplished and that was a part of something special and then you're a complete asshole or you're selfish or you don't want to share your experience with others to make us better. Like, I don't care what you do with your title. Like, I don't want to work with you. I don't want to be around you. I don't even want to have you, especially around my kids to show them what a healthy person is like all of it, you know? So it's just like, you got to look at those aspects and be truthful with yourself or you're just setting yourself up for failure. It's, it's funny, Mike, you say that because I remember the first time I got to meet um, some of the stillers with you. The, the, the ones that really left an impression on me were the ones that were the most like humble and approachable. And I remember, you know, some of the more valuable players, if you want to even call them that, like one specifically was just was just not approachable at all. I, I'd like to use other terms, but I just I'll leave it at that. He was just um, he just wasn't friendly. And I just remember thinking. That's a shame. That really is a shame because he, you know, this person has such a platform to, to be an ambassador for good. And like, you know, just, I just feel like, you know, and we talked about this before where I feel like if you really, if you don't have a purpose in life, you don't have to look very far, just go help somebody within that you usually generate a purpose, right? Like you'll generate, um, like, a, a you know, your compass will start swinging. You're like, Oh, this makes me feel good. And this helps so-and-so. And then eventually that can flourish into something else. But I've always found that if you don't have, if I feel lost, usually by helping somebody, I, I 
I generally feel like I find myself or I, I find my direction. And I just think it's a tragedy with people like that because they have such a massive platform that they can do. I mean, their reach is so far, but yet they're, they're a-holes and you're like, man, that, that's a, sh it's almost like a lot. It's, it's a lost um, opportunity, right? You're just like, God, that sucks. It, it, that should have gone to somebody else, but you know. And it's not like there isn't like a fucking long list of shit that needs to be fixed, right? Like there are, like Tony Senior was saying, take care of your, what's inside your four walls, right? And the whole world will take care of itself. And like if, if, if you can point out the family or the marriage that couldn't get better than what it is, you know, or the sporting team or the small business unit or whatever, like you have to be some kind of an asshole to be like, this, this is already as good as it's ever going to get. And I don't want it to be any better. I'm not even going to try. Like, look, start with your marriage. You know what I mean? Like, get in amongst it. What do you, like, what are you up for? Like, what do you bring? I really like that question, Raph. Like, what do you bring to this? And like, what are you up for? Where are you really going? Like, what is this in, in aid of? And it can be really strong stuff. Like, it, you know, people go out every day and earn a living that don't necessarily have a flag on their shoulder. And they can be doing that with really wonderful, powerful reasons, you know, of furthering their family and, you know, repairing that car that gets that guy to work that day. Like there, there's meaning in everything if you just put your mind in, at it the right way, starting from a position of gratitude, Mike. You know, just, it might sound fucking, you know, it might sound corny, but like, I really don't care. Uh, I'm totally, I'm actually very proud to say it. You know, uh, I, I wear a flag on my shoulder and I take a lot of pride in that, but I also have, um, I also have an invisible flag, I guess, as you will with like, uh, the, that represents the group that I'm part of, which is like you guys, like I represent this group and not your average operator and the stuff that we stand on and support. And I'm very proud of that. And that's not a physical thing. There's not an actual flag, you know, or anything, but like I have pride outside of my uniform that I wear for work. And that's another part of my identity uh, because I know what it stands for. And I, and it kind of represents me as well. Uh, I've said it a long time ago, but you know, the uniform doesn't make the man, the man makes the uniform, you know, what qualities can you bring to the cloth that, you know, regardless of what you do, that's the value. The people are the most valuable thing that a company or, or your family or anything like that's what you need to invest in. I don't need to look fancy with a nice Jersey or a uniform or anything else. Like that's, that's so first layer shit, you know, but like you can really tell a person special by how they approach you, how they speak, how they listen, and then how they offer advice, how they're willing to work with you. And all of that will reflect, you know, for military, it's just like all of that will reflect your military service 10 times than you could ever explain it by showing a cool picture of you and all your medals. Like it doesn't matter, you know, that's the way hey, I look at it. Simon, I have a question for you. Um, you've been in a lot of leadership positions, um, you know, former military. And then I imagine in your current state, um, what, are there like specific skill sets that you've that you've realized that you constantly bring to the table to help kind of be as effective as you can in that regard? You know what I mean? Like, is there specific like experiences or whatever that you kind of lean on and you're like, ah, this has really helped me along the way. Like, this is how I, you know, like, cause I imagine you find yourself with a lot of groups that you don't necessarily know intimately, right? 
Yeah, um, I've had a lot of opportunities where I've been, you know, having to lead uh, small and you know, large size teams. Um, and th I take a lot of positives from my military experience, both, you know, uh, in various leadership roles in my time in the military. Yeah, be on a be on civilian street. You know, be able to kind of translate what we would normally all here would say. You know, you know uh, your mission statement, commander's intent, <clears throat> and able to articulate that down to the uh, the lowest common denominator, so to speak. But then having the flexibility to be able to give them the trust, let them, you know, come up with, you know, let them demonstrate the initiative and. Uh, uh, effort to pursue the outcome. Um, what well, I would say one thing I have found challenging would be not taking that military approach to provide feedback. Um, when things are not, you know, when you give your intent, your direction, you kind of get a sense where you know things are going to go, you know, you're left or right. And when things go a bit wide, a bit wild, and you want to, you want to encourage that initiative and creativity, but yeah, just trying to provide that guidance and feedback. I, I have struggled there, but um, yeah, yeah, it's again, yeah, we're dealing with younger generations of uh, individuals, and uh, oh gosh, you know, from when you know, say Mellon, Raff, and you know, myself when we left the military, you know, there's a different gen you know, generation of uh, uh, servicemen now, and I'm, I'm sure you're seeing it, you know. Uh, it, different resilience and different strengths that what we all valued at the front end um, are evolving. Um, yeah, I've got to get off track there, but... Uh... No, 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 it's no, there's no off track here. So, like, as a, as a follow-up, like I know we were talking a little bit before we, we kicked off and, and also just now talking about, you know, you've got strengths and then some of your previous experiences have shaped you to perhaps transmit in a certain way when you're giving feedback and that has been something you've you've worked on. Would you say that that is one of the key areas of like development, like now Simon at this age compared to say Simon at 25 or 35 as something that you've improved? And most how have you done that? If you have, if you have improved, how have you done that? Uh, most definitely. Um, again, trying to really exercise that uh, uh, empathy and introspection uh, and then just looking and seeking out uh, the subject matter experts, watching, listening, not trying to be the smartest man in the room or the you know the most experienced person in the room. Just uh, yeah, again, being on the receive mode, the old classic military term. Just being on the receive mode when others are in the room. Uh, in recent years, working in in various theatres overseas and you know, engaging with kind of some real senior stakeholders and watching how they. Uh, interact and convey and uh, lead has been phenomenal for me um, just to kind of shape and calibrate my approach um yeah just that's no one's an expert yeah that, that's an interesting so i recently interviewed uh, last couple months ago with a major airline here in the united states and one of the questions they asked me was if we went up to your friends or people you work with, you know, what, what would they say positive about you? And then, you know, and then they said nothing. Well, that, that's what I said. I was like, well, you don't, I don't have friends, but if the people that I pay, they would, you know, they would tell you exactly what I asked them to tell you. No. And then they said, you know, what would they say uh, negative about you? 
And actually that one caught me off guard and I really had to think about it, but I thought, you know, it's probably, and I really felt like this was true. And Simon, you just kind of alluded to it, you know, sometimes on the receiving end, being a listener is, is just as effective as always spouting out commands and, you know, showing the world how smart you are. Um, and it, it kind of caught him off surprise that I even said that I answered the way I did, but I said, it's true. You know, I, I'm a social person. I love to interact a lot of the time. I'll find myself walking away going, damn it. I should have given that person. I felt like they had more to say, and it just means I get more to learn, right? Like I'm, I'm shortchanging myself as well, you know? Um, and that's something that I've, I mentally try to like, especially inside. I'm like, all right, just shut your mouth and listen <laughs> because you know, uh, like you said, it's one of my favorite lines is, you know, you don't want to be the smartest man in the room, Warren Buffett. Um, and, you know, that's it, just sit back and listen, man, you'd be surprised how much you can gain from that. But that's my biggest struggle is like sometimes in a conversation, I'm like, I should give people that space to, to and I get it. Sometimes people don't like talking. Um, you know, there's introverts, there's extroverts, and there's in between. Um, but sometimes if you just, if you just exercise patience, introverts will, and honestly, that's where the gold comes, right? Was from the introverts who hold all this inside and eventually just spill it out. You're like, holy hell, I was fortunate enough to, to get these nuggets from, from this person. So that's a really good one. Sorry. Just to, just to say listening as a functional leadership, I reckon that's really good. I've not actually heard anyone put it that way before, Raf. Go, go ahead, Simon. All right. I would say never be too proud to seek a mentor in any field. You're never, you, you're, you're never going to be the good ideas fairy. You're never going to you know, have ownership on anything. <laughs> um, yes, don't be afraid to ask. Um, and again, thinking back to the, your, some of your comments from the uh, previous episode about uh, don't give me a combat leader, give me a leader with a combat experience. You know, it's... It, yeah, I think that that's you, that's the kind of mindset you got to take. You know, yeah, you, you're not the top of the game. You're never at the top of your game. There's always someone bigger, better, more experienced. Don't be yeah. too proud to ask. Yeah, I, I have a question for each one of us to answer real quick. What is to you? What is the best compliment somebody can give you? like it could be professionally personally whatever what, what's one of the best things somebody can compliment you with i can i can answer melons you're real see you next tuesday <laughs> thanks mike <laughs> that's that's lovely i appreciate i appreciate that too no no joke no really. again simon i would have said something about your dancing <laughs> he dances i didn't know he yeah. was that flexible you haven't, you haven't, you're the only one here who hadn't seen it, Mike. These two both have witnessed the horror. As a, as a serious answer, no joke, anytime anyone ever uh, compliments me on my kids, oh, that's like the dopamine just floods the brain, you know, because like those, those two little people are like, that's the most important job I'll ever have. And, you know, I, I put my heart and soul into that. And when, when someone, you know, that I respect acknowledges that, that's, that's massive. That's a great answer. How about you, Ref? Um, well, before I answer mine, I'd just like like to say thanks for raising my kids, Melon. I appreciate it. They they. Um, oh man, I get so many. Let's see, how do I bring it down to just one? Um, humble. I, 
Yeah. Uh, Punctuality. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I I think, um, and it's usually never expressed in words, but I, but you know, if you're if you're in the moment, then you understand. I think when um, I rose to the occasion of being a real friend, you know, when like real situations occur, and I'm and I'm the person they call at two in the morning when they're at, when someone's at their absolute lowest. It's again, it's not expressed in words, but that you're gesturing, like that's a compliment, right? Like I'm reaching to you at my most vulnerable state. And that to me is one of the biggest compliments because that now I know that I've, I've earned your trust. You know that I'm the backstop and I'd hate to think what was going to happen past that. Um, but yeah, I would say that's a probably one of the biggest compliments I've ever received. And I've, you know, gotten calls in the middle of the night several times. Yeah. And I'll compliment both Raf and Mellon because uh, I texted them not last night, the night before around 3 a.m. And uh, I had I had a hard time myself that I was dealing with personally. And uh, they were the first ones I reached out to just to bounce my ideas and my position off of them because I trust them so much. So I can vouch for that. Uh, go ahead, Simon. How about you? I don't get many. <laughs> um, I try to be quite professional. No. Um, in all seriousness, <laughs> as I've gotten older and, you know, yep, family, you know, people come, you know, talk to me about my, my children, very much like Melon. But uh, I, I have to say in, in recent years, I really do try and, you know, make sure I'll be a point of appreciation and then just really reflect, take the opportunity to reflect. Um, I do gratitude diaries in the morning. I think it's just old man waking up early, coffee, a very small coffee. Uh, and just yeah, kind of, kind of really reflect on them. But, um, yeah, that's yeah. That's great. There's a trend there. I see. The older you get, the more the more you do that. So I think that's a healthy trend. That's a good answer, man. Uh, Mike, what's yours? Uh, for me, I would say in the last year and a half with the amount of work that I put in on myself and, you know, all these conversations that we've had, I've really changed and you guys have acknowledged it. Um, whenever I meet somebody new and they, they know who I am, but they also, you know, somebody will tell them like, well, Hey, you know, he's this, you know, tell them my job, the best compliment that I get. And I take a lot of pride in is they go, you weren't what I was expecting. And I said, that, and I always say, good, thank you. I appreciate that because I know what they were expecting. And that, that's kind of a shitty part on, on our community. You know, with, you're probably thinking I'm an arrogant SOB and I, I'm God's gift and, you know, I'm better than you. And, oh, I've, I, you know, I'm a one-upper and like all this other stuff. And it's just like, no, I'm, I'm complete opposite. And I think that's the best compliment you can give me is you're not what I was expecting. Well, that's some quality right there. We're getting sort of to the end of bloody, we're, we're literally four time zones at the moment. And one of us is up very, very late with a lovely crystal full of God's nectar. So we need to let people go. We, we're talking about identity, chapter in life, a sense of self, uh, what your values are, how to maintain that when your career changes. Is there any uh, last bits of um, wisdom that you've been thinking, Simon, that you'd just like to sort of leave people with that we haven't brought out yet on this topic? 
Uh, we've covered a lot of a lot a lot of stuff this evening. Um, I think I, I touched on it before the the, the chat tonight. It's a look at everything like a gateway, a doorway. You know, it gets you through to a doorway. Don't let it define who you are, because it's only gonna it's gonna hold you back. You know, to your you know, to your future career aspirations, to your your loved ones, your family. Yeah, just you've got to keep evolving, you've got to keep moving forward. Um, yeah, I think I think identity is a bit of a construct uh, mm. by peers. Yeah, awesome. How about you there, Tio? It, it's as far as I mean, I I think Simon just nailed it about the the uh, the identity and it being a construct by by your environment. I. What I found now that I'm a little bit older is I, I try to force myself to do things that make me uncomfortable, right? So those hard conversations with family members, you know, uh, trying to venture off into things that are non-aviation, things, you know, just outside my comfort level. And I've noticed that um, I've, I've grown emotionally, but I've also grown physically because of it. You know, ice baths, I hate ice baths, but I, I do them all the time. You know, it's, 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 there's so much growth behind the other side of just being uncomfortable and it just, just got to take that first step, you know? Yep. That's awesome. How about you there, Mike? Any, uh, any last tips in this little chapter? No tips, just the challenge. Uh, the people who are listening to this and it's resonating with you. Um, especially if you're in the line of what, you know, I do or an elite profession where this is a, big issue with identity and separating the two. Uh, I challenge you to ask those same questions. You know, if you were to walk in a room, what's the response that you're going to get? Uh, what's the best compliment somebody can give you and really evaluate yourself and be honest, be honest. All right. And you're going to find out a lot about yourself and maybe some new directions that you have to go to put your ego and your pride aside. Uh, they're only going to carry you so far to get you where you want to go. And, uh, you know, our experience and, and what we're capable of, it, it's, it's one honest answer away and just take the leap. Wow. I, I never, I never thought I'd say this, but that was brilliant, Mike. Like I never thought I would say that to you. Wait, what? <laughs> I, black, I, I blacked out. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another one, just one little tip I would say for people is, you know, you might have a lot of depth in a very narrow area. And it's a good idea all through life to just get some breadth, you know, add in some outside interests, do some, try some different hobbies and shit like that. And you might be a bit more interesting person. You might find other things in your identity. Well, I just want to, for our community and on behalf of uh, Mike and Raf, Simon, I really want to thank you for reaching out and coming on the uh, podcast and sharing your wisdom um probably people are inferring that you're in a position where you can't talk too much about what you do and we really appreciate you taking the step and trusting us and coming on board and just let letting people out there know that you know you don't have to have all the answers and you don't have to tough everything out on your on your own and i've really gotten a lot out of uh the conversation you and i've been in over the last year or so uh texting and i always appreciate every time we get a message from you so thank you very much for coming on Thank you, Melon, and thank you, guys. Really enjoyed tonight. Cheers. All right. Yeah, yeah. So from all Thanks, of us, until, until next week, take care, stay safe, hit us up with some reviews and uh, ratings and share it out into your community. Cheers.